especially in a skills-based area like writing. You say, okay, I've learned that now. What I need is to keep doing it so it gets easier and easier and more natural and more natural. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Episode 210, Andrew. 210? Yes. <laughs> does that have significance? Of course it does. Every time there's a zero at the end of our sequence, it means I get to ask you anything. Cool. And you collect these questions from? Oh, random places. Like the, my first question is from me. Can I have a raise? Okay. No, no, that's not a real, real question. <laughs> I, okay, dear listeners, I have to tell you, I did tell him that these questions were going to be easy. <laughs> so I had to step on the first one out of the gate. So, no, these are from our from our listeners primarily. Sometimes they come from our customer service team because they'll have questions that they think would be good for more people to hear the answer and especially to hear the answer from you. Okay. okay. Well, I am prepared for the triple A. Okay. Sounds great. Auto Club of America. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Carrie asks, do I really need the teaching, writing, structure, and style teacher training course if my students are using video-based instruction? Well, certainly there are people who have used video-based instruction without the full teacher training as a parent. However, I think you're going to invest a certain amount of time and money in getting those materials for your children. And if you want to get the greatest value out of your investment, your participation, your fuller understanding can make a huge difference. Again and again, people have said to me, I really didn't want to do the whole teacher training course. It seemed like a, a lot of time and I'm so busy and I've got these little kids. But then, you know, I did. Or I started it, and it was good, and it was helpful, and I kept going. Or our co-op did it together, and so I did. And I'm so, so grateful right. that I did. It's, it's one thing to see something, and it's great to see the kids, how they respond on the video and how your kids respond to the video. But to wrestle with it yourself mm-hmm. really moves you into that zone of just a higher level of competency. You know, once the video's lesson is done, it goes off and the kids have to do the work. That's where your involvement, you know, how how well do you really understand what we're doing here and why we're doing it and what's the philosophy behind it and then the mechanics of yep. all nine of the units. So I hate to say it, but yes, Carrie, <laughs> if you want to get full value you really should invest in yourself as well. Great. Okay, the next one's from Natalie. 
She has a good speller. Oh, Natalie, you are so lucky. My student is naturally good at spelling and doesn't seem to need help or a formal program. Do I need to do spelling every year through high school? Well, in most schools, they stop teaching spelling somewhere in the middle school grades. Mm -hmm. I I know it used to be eighth grade. Uh, I suspect maybe it's even a little earlier now. I don't think there's any spelling per se done in high school. So the literal answer to that question is no. (laughs) What I do find is that kids who have a good foundation in spelling, if they want to get even better, if they want to kind of continue to improve, they would benefit greatly from studying roots. Mm -hmm. Greek and Latin word roots or the Latin language itself is hugely helpful. I would highly recommend a particular movie. Okay. Uh, I'd say it was the best movie of its decade. I've seen it many, many times, mm-hmm. and that is Aquila and the Bee, mm-hmm. Starbucks Entertainment. Nice. Who would think? <laughs> they made one movie, and then they quit while they were ahead. But this movie is fascinating from many perspectives, and I think a good speller would be very interested in seeing the story of this you know, inner city middle school girl who makes it to the script's national competition and the way that she expands her vocabulary Mm -hmm. and her ability to, because they've got to be able to spell words they've never seen or heard before. Right. So uh, that that movie just, it's truly a, a great movie from many perspectives, and I would recommend it for everyone. In fact, even someone who isn't a great speller, if they saw that movie, they might be inspired to study a little more aggressively. Right. Yep. Okay, the next question is from Allison. I love this question, and I think the listeners will love your answer to this question. Why do each of your new courses and theme-based books start back at Units 1 and 2? Well, that would be one of the answers you would have if you had taken the TWSS, (laughs) (laughs) wherein, uh, in the beginning, I explain that this system is based on going through the nine units over the course of a school year Mm -hmm. and then going through again the nine units Mm -hmm. the next school year and after that for Mm -hmm. three or four or five or more school years. Mm -hmm. Now, initially, you might think, well, you're just learning what you already learned. No, you're practicing the tools. You're practicing using the structural models and the stylistic techniques. So you're just reinforcing. It's it's more of a, a kind of a spiral approach. Mm-hmm. You don't just learn something and say, okay, I learned it, I'm done. Especially in a skills-based area like writing, you say, okay, I've learned that. Now what I need is to keep doing it so it gets easier and easier and more natural and more natural. Mm-hmm. Plus, I will admit that I have been surprised how much students will forget over the break between when you, you know, end in in the spring or summer and begin in the fall. So the thing that's great about Webster's system is that you're using the same tools, but you can use different subject matter. Yep. So we have the theme-based writing lesson books uh, that will go back. Okay, let's refresh on how do you do a unit one, two style keyword outline. Mm-hmm. But you don't camp there very long. You refresh. Okay, let's refresh on the story sequence chart. Okay, but these are different stories. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're not writing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're using the same models. 
you get to unit four. Okay, let's refresh on the topic clincher paragraph and the idea of summarizing. But it's different content that you're summarizing. And so you're going through the nine units, and over the course of years, what I see is that students who do this really internalize very well this sense of structure. Uh, so much so that they could go out and teach the system to someone else. Right. Another thing that happens is, you know, three, four, five years or whatever, and now they're ready to take, say, a class from, you know, a college class mm -hmm. in writing or a mm -hmm. different online writing class. And when the teacher gives an assignment, they immediately have this resource of structural ideas that they can gather together and use, you know, combination and permutation to accomplish the goal of someone else's assignment. Right, exactly. Uh, usually better than anyone else in the room. Yes, and we hear stories like that yeah. from college professors or from students who got feedback from a college professor saying, what did you learn to write? This yeah. is such a great paper. Can I use it as a model? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. just wonderful. Great, great question. Okay, Amanda, she remembers when she was her son's age. Can you imagine that? When I was my son's age, I remember having to learn a bunch of different types of essays, persuasive, expository, narrative, etc. Are those all covered by IEW? Do they go by other names? Well, they do have other names. Mm -hmm. uh, the list is not an absolute official one. Our little product, Portable Walls for the Essayist, mm -hmm. lists some of those you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But I I've mostly had this discussion in schools. What I've noticed is if a student learns our system and then gets an assignment to do expository writing, mm -hmm. which simply means tell or explain something, they do that well. Or they get an assignment to analyze something, right? If they know how to write well, they do that well. It's mm -hmm. not as though there's a super specific skill that you learn for one of those things. Uh, some of it's a little bit like strategy, mm -hmm. um, argumentative versus persuasive. We mm -hmm. address that pretty clearly. I think we address that more clearly than anyone or anything I've seen. Yes. And it's a strategy mm -hmm. idea. It's mm -hmm. do you tell your position and then uh, argue it by bringing in examples, evidence, and reasoning? That's argumentative. If you want to persuade, don't give away your position. Ask the question and then start to bring in the evidence that will move your reader in the direction you want them to go. Uh, narrative writing, you know, that's basically just telling a story. It can be your story. It could be some other story. So what I've kind of discovered is if you learn to write well and then someone tells you do this or that or this or that, you do it well. But I don't think there's a really specific or exclusive set of skills that applies to all those different essay genres. Right. Yep, good. Cassie asks, do I need to teach literature each year, and why or why not? It is kind of an assumption mm -hmm. that we should all teach and learn literature. Mm -hmm. uh, what is not clear to everyone is what's the best way to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, of course, some publishers who put together anthologies mm -hmm. and say, here's a great collection of, you know, short stories, long stories, essays, and poetry for 
seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And so you should go through this textbook. And then they will often provide what may or may not be helpful, which would be questions for the student to answer about those things which they have read. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the the schoolish model, I would mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. I know other people who don't like those kinds of anthologies. They're all cooked up. They would rather try to get into good and great books and read classics and mm -hmm. discuss them in a more Socratic mm -hmm. type of style. And then there's probably, you know, some what are in between. Mm -hmm. uh, there are certainly publishers that will publish study guides. So here you can read Where the Red Fern Grows, and now you can have a study guide mm -hmm. to doing that. Mm -hmm. And that may be helpful for mm -hmm. some parents. I do feel that sometimes if you force kids to write about something, it can take some of the joy of just the reading and talking about it. And so that's why I always have erred on the side of not rushing in. As soon as a kid can read a book, make him write a book report. Right. You know, as soon as a kid reads a, um, a classic, make him write an essay on it. Sometimes the effect of that is, well, if that's what's going to happen, mm -hmm. I don't want to read anymore. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so I think, you know, we've been working particularly with our, our new curriculum, mm -hmm. uh, to gradually move kids into this world of mm -hmm. uh, critique and then response to literature and then even a bit of literary analysis. But a, a gradual method is best. And, of course, you know, we for many years we have um, published and sold Adam Andrews' course, mm -hmm. Teaching the Classics. Right. So in, to answer that question is I think – most all of us believe, yes, we should teach at least some literature all the time. Mm -hmm. But the way in which we might go about that could vary, you know, teaching style, family style, parenting style. Right. You know, we've made literature suggestions to go with mm -hmm. uh, most of our theme-based writing lesson books as well as the new SSS courses yep. as well. Yep. Know. So I just remember sitting in my fourth grade classroom. And my teacher, Mrs. Jensen, read out loud to us where the red fern grows. Mm -hmm. And there was no writing assignment with it. It was just something that she did, read a little bit every day. And we had conversations, just the whole class. And that was that was literature yeah. in, in school. So, yeah, I, and I love that. And I still love that book. <laughs> and now you live not too far from where it happened. It's true. <laughs> where the red fern grows happened an hour from where I live today. Yeah. It's amazing. Jennifer asks... What do you recommend for a student with several years of IEW experience who needs to focus on more persuasive or advanced writing? That question requires probably a little more detail mm -hmm. as to to what end would this persuasive writing be? Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by more advanced? Right. Certainly, our level C materials are very challenging, mm -hmm. <laughs> would be, I, I would guess, equal to or perhaps even more rigorous than most freshman English classes. Mm -hmm. Well, they're certainly doing a lot more writing. They're doing a lot more writing. In terms of persuasive writing, what's the purpose? Who are, why do you, does she perceive that her student needs more persuasive writing, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. is the question. Um, one thing would be application. Mm -hmm. So 
in my talk on the um, cultivating language arts preschool mm -hmm. through high school, I talk about how high school really is a time for integration. And, and one of the ways you can get a very high level of effort and polish and integration is through competitions mm -hmm. such as speech and debate, moot court, essay contests, um, um, something like National History Day. There are lots of opportunities for kids to, to be challenged at the highest level they can be. And then, of course, the delight is to see how all those years of IEW made this project or, you know, running this case in, in debate or whatever so much easier. Mm -hmm. I often will encourage homeschooling parents or kids in a hybrid school, too. If you've got, you know, several years under your belt, you know our system well, there's two things I recommend. Number one, uh, start teaching it mm -hmm. to younger children. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're 16, 17, you go start a little kids writing club. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a girl, go teach half a dozen 10-year-old girls. Mm -hmm. They'll love you. You'll have a lot of fun. And you'll learn it even better mm -hmm. by teaching it. The other thing is just go take some college classes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these can be community college, dual enrollment, online, plenty of opportunities, and uh, test your wings, mm -hmm. right? See how well you can apply what you've learned to someone else's assignments right? and all that. Uh, or get a job where you actually do write stuff or start a blog or... Mm -hmm. Get involved in a political campaign. Mm -hmm. That's a, a good way for uh, a high school student to mm -hmm. integrate their communication skills. Uh, starting a business, I think mm -hmm. I also mention, is one of those things that will require you to apply all the knowledge that you've got. So I think there is this kind of ideal that no one actually knows what it is, but everybody has a super fuzzy version of it in their brain called ready for college <laughs> yes. writing. But that is not easily defined by anyone, not even the colleges. And, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly there are a great number of students who show up not ready, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as we hear from the many uh, college teachers, professors, university people. And peers of students in their classes. Like, I know how to write, but boy, oh boy, yeah. I've got my own business of teaching my my peers and cohorts how to write. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. That was very helpful. Okay. Kathy asks, what is your favorite? It's almost like asking who's your favorite child. I don't know if I should ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your favorite IEW program and why? Okay. You can choose a couple ties for first and second and third place. Well, it would be hard not to say the new Thing that we've been working so hard on yeah. for several years now, yeah. uh, the structure and style for students. I, along with you and many others, poured a tremendous effort into making this the best thing that it that it can be. Mm -hmm. And you know, for me, I, I was more involved in it than many of the theme-based books that mm -hmm. we've published over mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly feel that in many ways my presentation, my interacting with the kids, my pacing it is better just because I've been doing it so long. Right. 
Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I hope that I'm still young enough <laughs> that it has, you know, some energy, some spontaneity, a, a good humor element. But I also have the benefit of being 20 years older yes. uh, than when I made that first set. Yes. Well, and I can assure you, Andrew, and listener, I just want to tell you a little secret about Andrew Poudois. He never watches himself <laughs> on a video. <laughs> but I can assure you, after watching it first live, because I was in the room when you, we were recording, but also several times as we're going through the editing process, you are funny. The kids really enjoy you. Well, and I certainly have a tremendous appreciation for these kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we spent a lot of time mm -hmm. together, you know, both on camera and around the edges of that. And so because our relationship had time to grow, you mm -hmm. know, with most of them over two whole years, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that probably makes it a better product as well. Mm -hmm. The kids watching it are going to feel, I think, an even better connection. Mm -hmm. with me mm -hmm. because the kids who were in the audience had an even better connection than uh, the previous videos we've made. So, yep. yeah, I guess just have to say the whole SSS can't go wrong. Nope. <laughs> From Elizabeth, she wants to know, how many different ties did you wear for the SSS? <laughs> well, I did wear a different tie every day. Mm -hmm. Not every class, right. but every day. And we did approximately 48 days yes. of recording. So I must have at least 48 ties, <laughs> although I did borrow a couple from your husband, I yes. believe. Uh, and then I have a couple I actually didn't ever use. So I don't know. It just kind of was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like we have so many subtle little things that are embedded in that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Not all the ties were super interesting or festive. But they were always different. <laughs> they were always different every week, something new. The kids would walk in and wonder what was the prop on the table because there was always something different on the table, yep. on the desk, and what tie were you going to wear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the fact I wore the uh, same color shirt yes. and suit yes, always. Yep. So the tie was the only difference in right. the way I'd look. Right. <laughs> yeah. We did that for continuity control. Yes. We wanted to be sure that if we had to reshoot something later, we could put you in that tie. But So that, that helped us too. Sophia asks, what are some ways you have been successful in building a good rapport with difficult students, bad attitudes, disrespectful, etc., especially teenagers? What are some of your strategies for bringing in those grumpy teens who don't want to be there? Because I've seen you do it. Yeah. What I have noticed is that most people appreciate being acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And when you've got a student who has kind of a bad momentum, you know, they know they don't like this. They definitely don't want to be there. They want you to know that they don't want to be there. If you pretend that you're not affected by that at all, it's not, it doesn't work mm -hmm. from their side, hmm. right? Hmm. Whereas if you almost pretend that they are happy to be there, even though you look at them and know they're not, <laughs> there's a subtle shift that occurs. Hmm. Somewhere, I believe, Plato wrote, uh, that which is honored is cultivated. Hmm. So in a room... 
anytime I get a reaction or an effort or a, a participatory moment that I like, that I want more of, I try to acknowledge that. I try to honor that mm -hmm. so it will cultivate more. And if I get someone who makes, you know, actually a rude mm -hmm. statement or is just, you know, really communicating with body language, mm -hmm. how unhappy they are, I pretty much just ignore it. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work mm -hmm. best. And then if there's any shift, if that non-participatory crabby person makes any effort at all, and I can detect that, then I will be very happy about that. I will mix, I will make some comment. Mm -hmm. I will try to express gratitude mm -hmm. for even the smallest token. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's nice when you have a majority of students who are happy to be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then you're just working with a minority. To, right. You know. The other thing I've noticed is most kids who have a bad attitude about it have that bad attitude because they have not experienced success. Right. So they're coming in with this momentum mm -hmm. of bad experience, of failure, mm -hmm. and they're just expecting more. Mm -hmm. With our system, it almost guarantees that you're going to have a better experience. Yes. Our, our method of starting with, you know, the Unit 1-2 style keyword outline and then retelling and word list and checklists, just that, you know, having the experience of having done something mm -hmm. that was not awful mm -hmm. can, can start to transform uh, the attitude. And if we can keep that going long enough, I know kids for whom, you know, writing was their most hated subject and at the end of the school year it was their favorite. Yep. That yep. has happened. Yep. So. Exactly. Um, there's no magic pill, though. Yep. <laughs> Good. Okay, last question. Do you have any former students of notable status? Is any of your former students doing something amazing for our country, for a business, anything like that? Well, I don't know all of the people who have <laughs> it's true. done structure and style. <laughs> right. I know there are people now mm -hmm. in their 30s mm -hmm. who came to a class of mine once upon a time right. or learned our program on video 16 years ago. Right. Probably the most notable would be the homeschool second generation, mm -hmm. you know, the the mom who was a teenager in my class in 1999 mm -hmm. who now has four kids and is homeschooling them, mm -hmm. you know, that's one notable thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, many of our employees here grew up, you know, doing to some degree uh, the Structure and Style program. Some of them I even met when they were very <laughs> yes. young. Yeah. I've heard stories of people, I don't know their names, I haven't met them personally, but there is one young man who was elected as a state representative mm -hmm. that I was told uh, he grew up doing structure and style mm -hmm. as a homeschool kid, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I mean... Famous names, I can't think of any in particular. 
Can we, you? Yeah, well, I don't know about any famous names. I am thinking about, you know, you mentioned a senator and there was a a legislator, very young one in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City that was taught IEW. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember her too. Yeah. But I do know that we have a blog series on where are they now right. with lots of kids who basically we interviewed to say, where are you now that you're done with IEW or now that you're all grown up, maybe they're not right. done with IEW and, and what are they doing? So that's that's a nice way to showcase some of their exploits, so to speak. So, well, thank you, Andrew. We had lots of great questions today. And listeners, please do continue to send us the questions. We love to answer them. Um, I love to stump you sometimes. <laughs> I must admit it. I do, I'm do. i sitting here holding the questions. He never gets to look at them ahead of time. And um, fortunately, we have a good podcast editor who <laughs> takes good care of you, Andrew. But As always, thank you. I hope they were helpful. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.